Welcome to From the Heart podcast with Daniel Grimm and Don Lister of Anahata Yoga Center. Today we are talking with Joe Kemp. Joe Kemp is the co-owner of Ashtanga Yoga Essex based in Hockley. And very excitingly, Joe is pregnant with her first baby. Congratulations, Joe! It's really, really exciting. And I can tell you, as a mother of three, the youngest one now being 20, you're about to begin a very interesting and exciting journey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. I feel very honored. <laughs> oh, we're just really, really grateful you agreed to come and chat to us. So let's just check in. How is everybody today? Daniel, how are you? What's going on? What's the news? I am well today. Thank you, Dawn. Um, what have I been doing? Do you know what? It's really funny. Um, because we are sitting here on the eve of lockdown number two, I spent um, quite a few hours yesterday with my husband sorting out all the things we're going to be watching on Netflix over the next oh. month. <laughs> <laughs> so my list is um, season three of Harlots, which I'm really, really loving. Oh, I don't know so if anyone good. else has watched it. It's, it's, so good. it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant um there's another program that i want to watch is a film called the boys in the band and it's about a group of um gay men in the 1970s over one night and um it's about their kind of their acceptance of 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 themselves being gay and all the different kind of traumas and stories that they have all around the, the coming out in the 1970s so um it's it's um it's a ryan murphy film but it was on broadway i believe in the sort of early 80s and then was revived um, a couple of years ago and they've managed to get the full broadway cast to be able to be in this film so i'm quite looking forward to my lockdown and my Netflix binging. <laughs> how, how have you been, Dawn? It's a very special day for you, isn't it? Do you want to tell everyone why? It's my 50th birthday. Happy so, birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so I love my birthday. I just love it, love it, love it. As you, as you know, Daniel, our listeners, some may know someone. I, I grew up not having birthdays. Not poor me. That was just the story of our childhood. We didn't do birthdays in our family. Uh, for religious reasons so as soon as I could have a birthday I make a massive deal about it so I'm beyond excited um and I've got a bottle of champagne chilling in the fridge ready for this evening can't wait so yeah 50 you you your bladder's um an issue now isn't it Joe being pregnant and my my bladder's an issue now being 50 (laughs) (laughs) and I have to get up for the ritual three o'clock in the morning (laughs) we I thought that would have happened to men. <laughs> oh, I'm loving it. Loving it. I'm really pleased to have made 50, half a century. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. So <laughs> let, let's get started. Let's kick it off. We're all doing well. Daniel's got his um, Netflix um, set up. I've seen season three of Harlots, Daniel. It's bloody amazing. You're going to love it. I binged watched it over the past um, three uh, episode, three nights. It was really, really good. Okay, Joe. so tell us about you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to doing what you're doing now. Uh, So um, I started practicing yoga when I was quite young, like 16. Um, My family and I, like we 
we're all our family holidays were normally like sort of camping in the UK and then when I got to sort of 15 16 my parents were like okay let's let's like finally go like abroad somewhere and um like I don't know I think they thought like maybe they wouldn't have that many holidays left before we were like you know didn't want to go with them anymore <laughs> um so they decided to take us to India um and they'd never they'd never been to India before so it was a really really big trip for all of us and um whilst we were there um I was, we were standing outside this temple and there's there's a yoga demonstration happening and this guy he was just he was so small like so like he didn't look like he had muscle or strength do you know what I mean and he just came and he and he, he just like pressed, put his hands down, lifted up, did like lotus. And I was just, I was just like, I just don't understand how that guy is doing that with such, it just looked effortless and he looked so calm and so strong. But normally I'd seen, just seen, you know, my idea of strong was like muscle. So I was just like blown away and then, when we got back, I was like, "Mom, mom, I really want to go to yoga. We want to like, <laughs> we want to like do what that guy was doing." Um, so basically, I started it because I thought it looked cool. <laughs> um, um, to be totally honest, um, and then um, I went to loads of different yoga classes and eventually found um, Amanda Turner's class at Shambhala in Lee, and she I just she just looked like a yogi in my like I don't know what I thought a yogi was but like she just the way she held herself the way she like moved around the way she spoke I was just like she's just really she just like became my like, idol <laughs> so it's like going to her classes and then yeah I just loved like savasana at the end just never felt so peaceful and I just kept and even though I found it really hard I mean I was like such a weird I hated like any exercise at school. I remember down with dog, my arms were just like burning, screaming at me. I like wanted it to be over. But then when we got to the end and I laid down, I was like, oh, this is like home. And I just think I just kept going back to get that, that feeling at the end. And then she, um, you know, one day, and I we were kind of talking about this earlier, just before the, the podcast, but one day she sort of said to me, you know, Joe, I think you could really benefit from going to something a bit stronger, um, you know, a different kind of style of yoga. You should come and try this style with me. And then she took me to my first Ashtanga class and I just fell in love with it all over again. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I think it just really built um, confidence in, in myself. Um, I was very, very shy at school, very timid, like, People used to make fun of me because I didn't say anything, never spoke, because um, I was just so shy. And as I started doing more and more yoga, I started to gain confidence. So I think I got physically and mentally stronger through that. <clears throat> um, and then it just escalated. And I, there was no, I kind of knew sort of what Ashtanga was, but I didn't feel like I was getting the real Ashtanga in this area. So I started going up to London and I did some workshops with Keno McGregor because she was there. <laughs> so, you know, everyone kind of knew who she was. Um, and she just took to me straight away. Like, you know, she was like, oh, Joe, you come to the front, 
because I think she saw I still had that shyness and then she built on my confidence more and more and then I just started going up to London and practicing traditional Mysore um, at Tri Yoga and then eventually I don't know why I was really scared to go to practice with Hamish because I thought it was just like for like the real serious yogis <laughs> and then eventually built up the courage to go and practice with him and um, been practicing with him ever since. It's amazing. There's so much I already want to jump in and ask you. So we need to quickly come back to the other stuff as well. But for our, some of our listeners, they won't, number one, they won't know what Ashtanga Yoga is. Um, so I'd really love you to talk a little bit about what Ashtanga Yoga is in relation to some, maybe some of the other yogas that people might be practicing or other yoga practices they have. And also, you know, you're, you're mentioning names of people. Could you explain a little bit about, you know, how that works, you know, within this sort of like, um, teacher um student relationship and how there's lineage kind how of you came up, yeah how you came mm. across different people I'd, I'd be really curious to hear and i'm sure our listeners would too okay so let's start with um what ashtanga is um so i mean ashtanga is um literally translates as the eight limbs of yoga so actually it's um you know most other traditions of yoga do use that because it's um, from the eight, the eight limbs of yoga is from um, Patanjali. Um, <clears throat> so this was a system created um, in India um, and it kind of really got its name um, in, from in, in Mysore um, in India, which is a city in India. And they started to name Ashtanga Mysore style just after the city. <laughs> so a lot of people of my like my, my family they're like oh my sore like because it's my sore <laughs> I'm sore <laughs> from doing it <laughs> I'm like, no that's not it yeah because it's um it's it's a fairly strong um dynamic practice um and there's kind of two ways of learning ashtanga there's one way, which is the lead class, which is how most other yoga traditions are taught. Where the that, was, that was how me and you met, Joe, wasn't it? In yeah, yeah. Lead, exactly. lead Ashtanga classes, yeah. yeah. We, our, mat, our mats were next to each other very, very often, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I mean, yeah, when we've like, yeah, Dan and but I- We've known each other about 12 years, haven't we, roughly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've known each other for so long, and yeah, we started in the same place, and then we even even up like we did our teacher training together, and then we then we started working in the same like studios together, and eventually we've gone off and yeah, you know, had our own our own businesses. Um, well, we can come back to that. <laughs> I totally lose my train of thought. Um, yeah, so the two, two ways of learning Ashtanga. So, yeah, you've got like the lead classes. So that's when, you know, the teacher is talking with everyone in the same room at the same time through the series of postures. Um, and normally those are just the, the primary series. So the first series of Ashtanga yoga. There's six all together. Um, but the sixth series is very, very advanced. There's probably only a handful of people in the world practicing that today. So most Ashtanga led classes that you get, especially around here, are going to be based on the primary series. Um, but then you've got Mysore style, which is um, mostly what we teach here at Al Shala. 
<clears throat> and that's where the student comes in. Um, and it's much more one-to-one. -one. So the teacher isn't at the front talking everyone through. Everyone is practicing at their own pace, at their own level, but following the method that the teacher is giving the individual. So it's a, li it's a little bit com um, complicated. <laughs> um, but if you'd never been before, you would come and you'd have like a, a little chat with the teacher at the beginning where we'd sort of talk to you about um, how the practice works, talk to you about the breath, um, how the how really it's like um, a breathing practice, but with the asanas, the postures are like obstacles. So the idea is that you're you want to maintain like a really steady, even flow of breath, and then you get the like a new posture, and you have to try and maintain that steady breath and then you get given another posture so in your first class you'd learn the very beginning and the very end of the sequence and then as you'd go week by week we'd slowly or lesson by lesson we'd slowly add more into the beginning so we never give the student too much like it's it's we only give them something more to add on if they're ready for it um, so otherwise it would just become too, um, too kind of like overwhelming. So we like them to really know what they've learned and then be able to progress from there. Now, I suppose that the use of the breath and keeping the breath in that very balanced state helps to calm or balance the nervous system. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because actually so many of us, you know, are in that heightened state within our nervous system and we're not very good at learning the other side about learning to calm ourselves down so finding that balance between the in-breath and the out-breath the in-breath being stimulating and awakening the out-breath being relaxing and soothing it's about finding that balance, balance within yeah. each posture so you're not overexerting yourself but clearly there is some overexertion you need to do to get through it or underexertion to, yeah, to get through exactly. it sometimes. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a process. So, yeah. I mean, like the idea is basically if, if your breath is calm and steady in a difficult posture, then your mind is calm and steady. So then, so, and then, so as a teacher, what we're looking for is that that, that student is calm and strong and grounded and then we give them a new one and then the process starts again. So they're gonna get this new posture. They have to kind of figure out their foundations. You know, that it's a little bit like learning a dance routine at first because you're, <laughs> you've got to figure out where your hands and feet have got to go and then how to hold yourself and then how to steady the breath. So I guess what I'm hearing a little bit, this and I'm always banging on about this in yoga, but the practice is reflective of life in that throughout life, obstacles are put in our way. And do we have the skill set to remain peaceful? And so in this way, the practice teaches us in a similar way to mindfulness, actually, how to um, stay stable, stay grounded, and to not get yourself um, too wound up or anxious or get too involved in your ego and um, when you're going through either your yoga practice or your life's practice, would you would you say that's that's the case, Joe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have this um, 
a saying in Ashtanga where they, um, they say like yoga is a 24 hour practice. Mm. So you're, you know, what you're kind of learning going through on the mat. I mean, yeah, you're going to, you can always trust the yoga to bring up stuff that you need to see. Mm. Um, you know, you're, you're, I mean, like once you've got those foundations as like a beginner, then the real work kind of begins and you'll be getting new posture, new posture, new posture. And then it'll sort of like plateau and you'll be really working on what you have for a while. And then all of a sudden you'll get this new posture and it'll just hit you like a ton of bricks and you'll just be like, oh my God, this is the hardest thing ever for whatever reason. It could be like physically challenging. It can be like mentally challenging. Um, You know, it can be something that, you're going to need to work on for like a long time to be able to get through. You can get frustrated. You can, it kind of just brings up all this stuff and then it, it basically acts like a mirror. So you, you, you see how you're reacting to whatever it is that's come up. Um, I've had postures where I've, I've kind of, every time I've come into them, I've, been reminded of something in my past or a feeling that it like a, a feeling that I had when I was at school or something that I've never really like quite let go of just like all this stuff it's, it's amazing what it can bring up mm-hmm. and then you'll feel that emotion and you just get so like um in tune with yourself <laughs> just from doing mm-hmm. the breathing and the posture like it's it's amazing um and then that and then, you know, and then you, that's just on the mat. And then you, you leave and you go off into your daily life and these things come up in daily life and you already recognise these patterns in yourself or, and know how to, or you start to learn how to deal with those things um, and just ultimately make you live much more peacefully, much more gratitude. You just kind of move around in more of a, flow of life Mm. just from doing breathing and postures and I think for me like the thing that makes ashtanga this style like stand out from other styles of yoga is you've got the breathing aspect which is like what they call like vinyasa so breath with movement so every ashtanga is, is quite um it moves a lot. I mean, you hold postures for like five to 10 breaths or whatever, but in between the postures, there's a way to get in between them. So there's no, it's not like you just do a posture and you stop and you do another posture. It's all linked together. So the, the breath and then the drishti, which is the gaze point. So every posture or every vinyasa that you're doing, your gaze is, you know, either to like a thumb or, towards your nose or up or or whatever um, to help you bring your awareness in. So the breath helps you bring your awareness in. The drishti helps you bring your awareness in. Um, Your core, which we we call it bandhas, which maybe we're not getting today (laughs) today because it's a big subject. Um, And then the asana itself, it kind of pulls it all in together as this big sort of tool And and it shapes it. And I've never... Um, I've never found that with any other side of yoga. I think it fits quite something quite special to um, 
to Ashtanga and because it's so structured because you're you're doing a set series so every student that comes we teach them the same postures I mean yeah we, we you know you have to modify for and stuff like that but generally it's it's the same and it's a lot of like right side left side <clears throat> so it's very very structured so you don't have to think about um where you're going to go next you just flow with it and everything just sort of yeah pulls together um there's no way to avoid anything it's all yeah you know where you're going <laughs> kind of thing and it makes it very meditative in that way so i i i personally practiced ashtanga for I think it was about eight or nine years um, before Joe and I met and then upon us meeting. And then I did a very sort of similar thing. I, I was working up in London and ended up um, attending quite a few of the Mysore style classes that Joe was talking about. And I found personally for me at that time, my life was very chaotic and I was really struggling with my own identity and I was using drugs and alcohol to kind of soften those feelings of anxiety and, and loneliness I was experiencing in my life at that time. And I found having that Ashtanga practice, it was like a lifeline. It was literally, I, I can go in and I don't have to think about what I'm going to do but while I'm there, I have to be so embedded in the practice and I have to be so embedded in what I'm doing that I don't have to think about anything else at that time. And for me, it gave this amazing place of freedom and it actually ignited a curiosity within me, which actually ultimately led me to, to, to kind of wander away from Ashtanga because I got much more interested in meditation and actually wanting to meditate without the movement and not so much breath coordination so it kind of led me into mm. a different avenue within my life but it, it, I, I think what's so clear that you talked about Joe is this structure and this process is so powerful for so many people because so many of our lives are so chaotic that we need something that is so familiar to be able to go through in our yoga practice. And I think, you know, whether Ashtanga is the right thing or many other forms of yoga, it's this kind of coming back to something that feels familiar and something where we can sit day after day after day or move day after day after day with and allowing it to start to process some of that deep underlying stuff that we're so good at pushing down or away. Um, would you sort of agree with that, Joe? Would you say that was? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I mean, just from um, the diversity of students that we've got here kind of pro like proves that. I mean, we've got um, teenagers that practice and we've got um, much older you know older people in their sort of 60s 70s um we have um people in recovery practicing with us um people going through you know traumas in their life like big divorces and that you know that kind of thing 
Um, and we also have lots of students that suffer with um, autoimmune diseases and illnesses. Um, and I think because they are given that space to go at their own pace and have, but also have someone looking over their shoulder for them a little bit, you know, they've, it's, um, yeah, I think, I think a big part of like a Mysore room as a, as a teacher, the responsibility is to um, hold the space more than anything else um, and get to know, you know, you, where, where it's, where you have that much more time with a student, you really get to know them and you get to know what's happening in their lives and how they, what they need on that day, not, you know, on the individual day, um, they're tired, they can do less. If they've got some more energy, they can do more. Um, so it's, even though it's very, very structured, it's it's also very free <laughs> in that way. Um, there's never any pressure to, you know, sometimes people just come, they do a couple of sun salutations, have a cry and then lay down. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because it's not a led class where, you know, they, they'd feel like they needed to complete the whole of the class before they could do that. And they could just come and do that and lay down and then go. Mm. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it just works beautifully um, in that way. And yeah, like you said, I think, and I mean, and actually even for me, I think it's, it's opened my mind to lots of other things. And because it's made me so much more confident, I've ended up trying other things like the Wim Hof method, <laughs> which I, I was going to talk about later um, when we talked about our uh, self-care routines and stuff like that. But it's made me do, I never would have done, got in an ice bath if I hadn't done Ashtanga, I don't think. Because, yeah, it's just built, built that strength. <laughs> It, it sounds to me like Ashtanga's really given you an incredible gift. That's what it, it feels like. It feels like um, it's brought you home to your essential nature, which, you know, in many ways, life perhaps had, for whatever reason, created um, a, a sense of disconnect with who you really were. And the practice has brought you home to yourself. And I just wanted to speak briefly um, about, you convert, conversely, you often... Um, Hear something different about the practice of Ashtanga yoga that it can be quite ego driven and um, uh, it can be sort of a refuge in some ways for people who are overachievers or who are drawn to that kind of overthinking over um, active body type practice um, and certainly in my experience I, I practiced Ashtanga in my 20s and um, didn't suit me at all um, I don't know whether I'm the wrong shape or you know whatever it just I, I really struggled with it and I never found a class where it felt okay for me not to be able to do some of the, the things that other people could do. Um, that said, within the practice, I was very aware that there was a huge amount of truth and um, I, 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 there was a lot of opportunity for growth and learning. I just didn't encounter teachers that were able to point that way for me. Mm. Um, but I'm hearing a very different story from you. I, I'd be interested in what you, you're in the Ashtanga world. What's, what's your experience of, you know, teachers and their, the way that different people practice, um, you know, and how, how that, I mean, there's a lot of controversy around um, 
what's going on in the yoga world or just now or in the way people are treated, maybe some abuse that's gone on. I'd, I would be interested to know what your take on that is. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I do know. Um, I have seen and do know people that um, have this real obsession about it. Um, and I have had, you know, we do have a few students that um, have been very posture grabbing. <laughs> um, and what I've, uh, what we've done for the, well, I, well, I think one of the things that's really helped with those people, I mean, you can say to an individual so many times, like, you know, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like we're trying to work on your strength or something like that before, you know, and they, they just don't listen, you know, they're just like very kind of lingered. Um, but what I found is when I'm, when I've held conferences and stuff like that, where I've been talking to everyone as a whole, I've then noticed that they've slowly started to take stuff in rather than me just talking directly to them. I think mm. they sit there and go, Oh, maybe that's me. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's with our students. Um, you know, I've got some, you know, know some, know some people that I practice with in my store that perhaps, you know, take it too, too seriously. Um, but I think that, I don't know, it's, it's very, very difficult for Mikey and I have never really had that, <laughs> that problem with it. Um, and then as far as, yeah, it's a tricky one because I've not really experienced that myself. But with the um, sort of uh, <clears throat> the abuse side of Ashtanga, well, that, you know, what's what sort of been in the news of the last few years um, has, I mean, it's not just, not just Ashtanga, it's mm. lots mm. of yoga traditions have suffered the same way. Absolutely. You know, if you look at every yogic lineage, especially more in recent times, there has mm. been um, stories of either physical abuse sexual abuse you know there's a a, a a very enlightening and really difficult to watch um documentary about mm. bikram yoga mm. yeah, on netflix that. which I is probably yeah it's probably <laughs> one of the most high profile cases of this um and, you know, I think for people that maybe are a little bit shocked to realise, oh, you know, how can there be abuse in yoga? I mean, you know, it, unfortunately, I think you put a group of people together, you're going to get people that are very respectful and you're going to get others that are disrespectful. Mm. It's a power thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe that would be useful to talk a little bit around Joe around, around you know maybe how you've seen the Ashtanga community on a global perspective react yeah. and then how you've safeguarded your students in your shala around making sure that they are protected and it's something Dawn and I can speak 
at length that as well, because, you know, we go out of our way to make sure that every person that steps into our centre feels safe and doesn't feel like there's a threat to them in any way, shape or form, as much mm. as we can allow that to be. That's it, because you just don't know, you just don't know what people have been through. Um, and even, um, like, uh, before, like, so when, probably when we met and you and I were practising together, um, you know, we had some, I think we probably went to the same workshops and stuff where I definitely um, had some experiences that were not right. And I didn't realise at the time because I was only I don't know, 22 or something like that. Um, and you can look back now and be like, that was very, very inappropriate. And so I kind of know what that feels like um not to the extent as as you know what some people have been through um yeah but I think um when the news came out about Tubby Joyce it was just really devastating for me I, I was just I don't I mean it kind of made you feel a little bit like ashamed even though it wasn't anything to do with you know with you and, and it's just it's like you know you have something that you love so much that has been kind of tainted um and then I think of all those people who you know Patabi Joyce was their teacher for all those years they've had to you know had to had so much to process and go through um Patabi Joyce wasn't Mikey and I's teacher um so it's it's quite difficult for us to say, um, you know, what that would have been like, really. <clears throat> but my my kind of experience of the healing process um, has been certainly like in London with Hamish. Um, so just so I, people know, Hamish yes, is your yes. teacher. It's yeah, Hamish, yeah. Hamish Hendry, isn't it, from from Ashtanga Yoga London? Is that yeah, right? That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he's like. He's, he's like one of the top, he is like the top Ashtanga teacher in the country, really. Um, so he's like one of the, like the old school ones. Um, yeah, and he, um, I've been assisting him for sort of three and a half years. So um, when this whole thing like really came out, he held a conference for all of his students and talked about it. And then um, a few weeks later, he organised... Um, like a day where we go we went to the shower and he got someone in and we did like a trauma um and like abuse kind of course <clears throat> um obviously it wasn't like in length as to what you guys have done but it was it just really like um opened my eyes more to what um it could feel like as a practitioner to come into a yoga class and be scared um, so yeah, so I thought I did that course, um, and I thought it was brilliant that he did that. He always puts on courses, courses like they've done lots of different ones. Um, he even did like a Black Lives Matter one in lockdown for us all, which I thought was really good. <clears throat> so he's very, very conscious of those kind of things, and that has influenced Mikey and I as well. So I think him, having such a great teacher in him has really helped 
really helped us in the way we run things at our Charlotte. Um, so like the first thing I noticed um, after all this happened was when I went into the Charlotte one day and there was no pictures of Atavi Joyce anymore. So he really like, you know, taken, taken all those down and stuff. Um, you know, that really touches me to my heart. It, I feel quite emotional about it. And he was never my teacher because, you know, many, many incredible teachers have brought forth wonderful teachings that have transformed people's lives. And I, I don't know what the right politically correct say, um, expression is around this, or I'm still processing it. You know, there's been abuse certainly in the traditions that I've worked and studied in, both in Buddhism, which has broken my heart, and, and in yoga. But I, I tried to look at it, that the teachings themselves mm. Great truth and a great. They point. They point the way to deep transformation and li and liberation, and we have to focus on the teaching and not the teacher. Um, yeah. And I think that's where things have gone wrong. And perhaps the look looking to the teacher as having the answer versus the teacher being the vehicle through which we learn the answer, which is already inherent within us. Mm. And it, it just feels, you know, I feel really sad that you know that that's. That that's what's happening and across the yoga community and across the communities across the world and many other industries also but at the same time perhaps perhaps that's a good thing perhaps actually this is like a, a clean a deep cleansing I don't know what do you think yeah it reminds I think it reminds you to that to not put these people on pedestals yeah, yeah. and like kind of, and kind of like what we were saying earlier like you're you know the teacher what's the teacher's job you know it's not like it's not to you know get students to be able to do postures it's about holding a space um it's about showing like going oh there's the path off you go <laughs> you know um rather than you know it being like uh you know i'm the teacher i got you to be able to do this mm. blah, 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 blah. you know it's it's all about them finding their own way and having you know you giving them the tools to and the teacher will walk with you it's almost like yeah. I'll, I'll walk with you while you find your path but it's your yeah. path. I'm going to be over here yeah you know yeah yeah one of my students um was talking to me about um abuse in yoga and she really beautifully put it that she said, where there's such lightness happening and such joy, there also needs to be such darkness. Mm. And we live in a world where you can't have one without the other. So as shocking and as awful and as harmful as these things are, and I, you know, I feel so deeply sad for those people that had to experience that abuse. Mm. and have been left with that trauma that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives. But how fortunate that they were able to speak up. And we now, as people that have responsibility and are guardians of communities yep. of people, have that knowledge to know how to work with these people yeah. and to work safely with the public going forwards. And there's so, so much awareness now for yeah, yeah. teachers and for students as well. I feel like now, hopefully, there's room for, you know, 
if if a student you know does have something that happens that's inappropriate now they can speak up straight away absolutely because they've got now got that confidence from everyone else yeah um, is, is there certain provisions you put in place joe within the charlotte to let people have a voice i know something that we've tried to do at anavata is is we always encourage you know every teacher to ask mm. are you okay with me adjusting you yeah or or having conversation around today I don't want to be adjusted and that yeah. is okay for that to yeah. happen yeah, because yeah. as because as all of us we've experienced different traumas in our lives through different scenarios and different things that have happened to us sometimes you can speak and sometimes you haven't got a voice and it's about having other ways other than just using your voice to be able to let someone else know this isn't appropriate or right for me today yeah yeah so we always we always have that conversation with them um to start um we um always word things in a certain way so quite often when someone goes to lay down at the end and they've not laid down so the first class i'll say how do you feel about laying down that you feel comfortable with that most of the time they're like oh yeah brilliant <laughs> like but they there's you know there's 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 that question so they can always say oh actually oh, i don't know you know they always have that option they don't need to mm-hmm. um we'll never say to students um close your eyes that was and that was one thing that really stood out for me when hamish did that course um because if you have suffered any kind of abuse, sexual abuse like that within a yoga environment or not, closing your eyes might be very, very difficult um, and might make them feel unsafe. So we never say, close your eyes, we just let them rest. Um, and then another thing that we um, brought in was, um, we have these yellow cards that every student gets when they start practicing with us. Um, and they just say, no adjustments today, please. So they have that with them in their mat bag and they can use that anytime. They can just put the card at the end of their mat and we'll know just not to go, you know, not to go near them that day or, you know, cause sometimes they might really like adjustments and then one day just want to be left alone. So that's quite handy for that, for that, those kind of people. <clears throat> but then also, you know, if the, from the start they know that they've got that card and they don't need to, they don't have to worry that ever that, that you know, that's going to happen. They can just, they yeah, can I just think that's so powerful, so, isn't it? So powerful. Yeah. We've got yeah. similar cards where you've got a, it's yes or no. So you, you there's oh, like okay. a little disc. So it says, yes, I want adjusting today. Or you can flip it over and it says, no, thank you. I, I don't oh, want cool. adjusting today. Yeah. And again, you know, we just give students the option. They don't even need to take one. It's not forced upon them, but they're there in yeah. the studio if they want. Yeah, and we've got them on the little shelf. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because then, because they might, because people might not want to actually say to you, they might not feel confident enough to say to you, Can, I don't want adjustments today. Because especially when you see everyone else having those adjustments around yeah. you. And this is, this, this again is one of the things that's being debunked, isn't it, with the more that we start to understand about how people 
find it really difficult to turn down or say no to something if it's happening to everyone else. Yeah. So you can then understand where these cultures of abuse happen because all oh, they're having it done, they're having it done. I feel like I should have it done. But actually when you do it to me, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm. And you can understand where the older teachings of yoga and the way that we was all taught, all three of us were taught to teach somebody has evolved so much. And yeah. as yoga teachers, it's so important that we stay on top of that stuff because we need to be able to respect those people as highly as we can do that are spending time and money with us to want to learn something from us. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Dawn, you're talking, you're on mute. <laughs> there was a there was a lawnmower blowing outside, so I turned myself to mute for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear my neighbours doing their lawn. Um, yeah, I, I was I was just reflecting as I was listening to this that you know I've been teaching a really long time, almost thirty years now, and um, my teaching is nothing like how it was in the first ten years, fifteen years, and I look back now and I absolutely cringe because. You know, if people didn't have their eyes closed, I probably would have said five times, time, let's close our eyes. And, you know, thinking, why aren't they just joining in and following the instruction? Because that's how I'd been taught that these are what you, this is what you do. And um, this is how the practice looks. And it looks like this. And if it's not like this, they're doing something wrong. And there was not really any room for the student to um, have their own unique experience. And that was very much something I learned as I became a therapist. Um, so I guess once um, I went through my therapist, uh, my training as a psychotherapist and then a cranial psychotherapist, I, I learned about people's boundaries and their rights and how different we all are and what we need at different times and about our nervous system. And then also over the years of understanding, learning about really the role of a teacher. And, you know, I think as we grow ourselves as people and as practitioners, we start to understand that. But I look back now and I just think, you know, the way I taught back then, I'm, I, it wasn't, it wasn't how I would want it to be, you know, but I, you know, we did our best at the time with the information that we had and the knowledge that we had. Um, and it's just really great that we are getting to know and we are all learning how to look after ourselves and our students in a much safer and kinder way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when I look back on the teacher training that Dan and I did first, I don't think there was even... I don't even remember it coming up at all, stuff like that. No, I, I only learned about being trauma sensitive once I started to, I, I was kind of at that point where I was leaving the Ashtanga world and I'd actually decided to become a yoga therapist. And that was when I started to become much more aware around sort of trauma sensitivity. But even then it wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't, um, it, it was evolving as I was learning, you know, so actually mm -hmm. the more and, and it, it was almost like the yoga world was getting blown up and all these things were starting to come up and it was like, oh, I need to adjust the way that I say certain words. I need to think about the way that I'm standing near someone that I don't walk around the studio quite so much because actually that can be upsetting and triggering for people. Just, mm -hmm. you know, just being... Getting trying to get in the 
mindset of someone that potentially has been abused or traumatized or had an experience that might be triggering for them by being in that quiet space that you know so many of us seek to to go to yoga for actually mm-hmm. acknowledging that can be a really hard place for many people to be yeah and i'm all, and i'm also thinking that I, I just want to just make this really clear especially for our listeners that all that aside you know this is all really important this conversation about you know being trauma sensitive and what's coming out in yoga is what i really love to hear and what you were speaking about joe was actually you know we also need resilience and we also need strength and we also need to keep you know we need to be able to keep our bodies healthy and strong and that's a, that is also a part of our practice and that's you know learning to overcome obstacles and um and to to build up our our physical body because you know that's the part of us that our soul is experiencing life through through the physical vessel so therefore you know no one's saying that an ashtanga practice isn't the right practice for many many people it's absolutely the right practice and at different times in our life different types of practice are going to be more appropriate for us but i love the idea of and i I know i said this once to a, a yoga teacher that was chatting to me about oh i'm she was in her 50s and I, and I was in my 30s and she said, oh, I don't do a physical practice anymore. So I'm getting too old. And I said, well, what about your strength? You know, don't you want to stay strong as you get older? And she hadn't even thought about that as being, you know, a reason. And, she, you know, a, a really interesting conversation that came out of that. But what I'm hearing from you is that there's a real um, in the right hands. Uh, this practice is is deeply, deeply three dimensional. W- would you agree? Mm. Definitely. Um, so many, so many layers. <laughs> Joe, I was just reflecting on, obviously, we've talked about the need to adjust and you're going through one of the biggest adjustments in your life ever of becoming mm. a mum. <laughs> and, and how is... Yeah. How is your practice looking at the moment? Because I dare say it's very different from what you was practicing maybe nine months ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting for, for you to maybe let us know a little bit about how it's changed because clearly yeah. you can't do some of the things that you used to be able to do anymore. <laughs> I any of it, to be honest. I mean, like, uh, when Mikey and I decided that we wanted to... Um, you know start a family um I'd, I'd just finished intermediate um and I, just, I just got to a point where I was like I don't like I'd really I just got so much stronger um and the, the strength has just always been this like big part of my practice naturally like pretty flexible um and my arms my back my core has always been very very weak so um yeah, I just kind of like reached a stage where I was like really getting like nice and strong. Um, and then, yeah, we, we decided that we wanted to um, start a family. Um, and one of the um, issues I had playing on my mind um, was the fact that I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So, um, you know, the doctors are like, oh you know there's a good chance you won't be able to have a baby I don't know why they they just scare you um even though actually with endometriosis there's plenty of chance 
you always just think that you're going to be I don't know it's just the way they word these things you're just like oh like and they're like how old are you like blah blah, blah you know and it gets and then that combined with society gets like <laughs> imprinted in you and it's um yeah really challenging um and one of the things that um I'd been kind of aware of um was that because the practice is very very strong um I knew that I needed to soften a little bit again um to kind of you know to prepare to kind of let my body kind of be more I don't know be like more ready or just I just wanted some more awareness to the sort of feminine side of myself because I was like so focused on getting strong um so I started doing well first the first thing I did when I decided I wanted to start thinking more about this is I contacted Lisa Horwell um well she's she practices with us as well um so we've got very lovely relationship with her um and so we'd kind of do like swaps (laughs) um and she taught me about um like the cycles like um your menstrual cycle being like in, in sort of like four stages so winter spring summer autumn and I started applying this idea to my practice so in so winter is like the first day um that you like bleed so the first day of winter is the first day you bleed and then um your spring is when you start to come out of that and you start to have more energy and then your summer is sort of where you're ovulating so you're like oh hey look at me like feeling really good and then (laughs) your autumn is when you're kind of winding down again ready to you know get your period so um this just really really resonated with me and so what I started doing in my practice was I would um I mean we always traditionally ashtangis should take the first three days of their period off they call it ladies holiday so no practice for the first three days. Um, and sometimes if um, women have quite like heavier bleeds or more like of a hard time, I encourage them to take a little bit more time off. Um, so we've always sort of done that. But what I started to do is um, in my autumn, I would start winding down my practice a little bit. So I wasn't like trying, you know, I wasn't like pushing my body. Like I was, you know, just not, you know, not like, it wasn't the time for trying my new posture like three times in a row you know I would, I would maybe do less like inversions toward the end I'd just be like be a little bit more gentle with myself then I'd have my rest and then I'd kind of do a similar thing going into spring so I would um you know start a little bit more gently and then when I got into my like late into the spring and the summer that's when I would you know be a bit more adventurous in my practice so you were really really connecting with that inner cycle within yourself so you was really yeah. aware of every day you would come into your practice there was a slight change or tweak or an, an understanding your cycle and understanding where you yeah. needed to meet yourself within your practice on that specific day mm. you, you you think has led you to be able to conceive and you know to to have been relatively healthy through your pregnancy yeah definitely um yeah it, 
It was basically like instead of using, I did that instead of using one of those apps. Because <laughs> I found like, uh, we weren't like desperate to have a baby like right now, but um, the thought of using something like that just took away the specialness of like trying for a baby for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to be more in touch with myself as a woman and try and do it that way and just be a bit more, you know. Mm -hmm. And then Mikey would know, he'd be like, Oh, are you in your autumn? Do you want some chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he kind of got to know my cycles a little bit as well. So that worked. Um, yeah, that worked really nicely. And, and also I got um, uh, acupuncture as well um, off a lady in Hockley, traditional Chinese um, sort of method. And um, she would ask me, really good questions like that I think doctors and stuff wouldn't ask you like um maybe too much detail but like <laughs> you know the color of your blood the thickness all that kind of stuff um and then I think I, I think that maybe I saw her for about six months and then she said oh I don't think your endometriosis endometriosis is a problem anymore and actually my periods were just so much more comfortable with endometriosis you get like most women get like, excruciating pain and sometimes the pain would just, and I wouldn't really be able to stand up. Like sometimes I'd feel really faint. Um, <clears throat> it was just like quite a horrible experience really. So ladies holidays have always been really important for me because I've always felt like I needed that rest. Mm. Um, so with that, with the cycles and the acupuncture, I, um, my body felt ready for it. And then she said, oh, yeah, like, you know, you can start trying now sort of thing. And then three months later, lockdown happened. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to do. <laughs> going to be loads of lockdown babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, it really sounds to me like um, you made friends with your, your body. You got, to, you got to know yourself better, which mm. is amazing, isn't it? That's kind of what most people we we all need is like to get to know better and to know when to pull back know when to lean in know when to nurture ourselves, when when not to nurture ourselves, when to let ourselves off the hook mm -hmm. um yeah. i was just thinking if you think about you know the you know like the koshas of yoga the five different layers of ourself and it being important you know that we understand our physical body and how that reacts our energetic body and how we breathe and how energy gets distributed around our bodies, our, our mental and emotional states and how that can affect our energy and affect our, our physical self. And then this kind of, this sort of connection with this almost intuitive place where, you know, when you were talking about your cycle and kind of knowing that's where I am today and this is where I need to be. And ultimately that's, you know, kind of took you into that final kosher, which is this state of feeling really connected with yourself and really, yeah. really deeply understanding yourself. Yeah. And that's come from, Thank you know, yeah. all, all those years of practicing and all of that time of kind of really looking inwards and allowing yourself to kind of go with that flow of the yoga practice mm. yeah and, and and also now it's like um 
I think, you know, start to introduce it into the way I teach as well. So I know when quite a lot of my students' periods are. <laughs> um, and sometimes they walk in, I'm like, you shouldn't be here today. It's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just be like, oh, I just feel so exhausted. And I'm like, where are you in your cycle? And they'll be like, oh, like, you know, I'm due one in a few days. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, don't like miss out these postures. Don't do as much vinyasa. Like, take your time. Make like, twists feel too intense. Leave them out. Like, um, and you know, and, and I would say your practice should serve you that day, not you serve the practice. So if you're leaving the shala and you're feeling depleted, then that was your practice didn't serve you that day. It was too much. So trying to teach them the same things that I've learned Mm -hmm. over the last year or so from doing that. You know, it's so beautiful to hear, and I'm hearing this more and more, people making friends with their body. I can't tell, you know, as a a woman of an age who no longer menstruates anymore, going through life, you know, we were taught to get on with it. It's like suck Mm. it up, shut up take a paracetamol or Feminax. And I mean, I remember being at work with hot water bottles down my back and um, just drugging myself up to go be able to get you through the day. And there was no question of, oh, you're you're menstruating, so why don't you have a rest today? It was like, don't tell me that you're menstruating. That's not my problem, just get on with it. And I actually think those conversations are, you know, are being had now for women. And we're learning that actually, it's okay to look after herself and it's okay to say I'm not feeling it today and I need to look after after myself differently or take a rest or eat different foods and these conversations just weren't had you know you know five ten years ago weren't even considered Mm. and yet in India they're like you know if you if you're on your period you don't even do any cooking or anything you just just, like lock themselves away and they're just like you know they they you know go with other women that are in the same same sort of cycle and they just chill out and the men just get on with it <laughs> but also i was going to say you know from a from a male's perspective we need to we need to acknowledge that more within ourselves as well mm. because there you know there is this stereotype of the man being the strong one, the man that, you know, carries everything, the the responsibility sitting with the men a lot of the time. And actually there's times when we need to say, you know what, I need to step back. Mm. I I need to give myself a rest. I can't carry on doing these things in that way because actually it's causing me more harm than good. And Mm. the fact that we can have these conversations now and those conversations not be looked upon as though you're weak, or yeah. crazy, <laughs> or, you know, in falling apart in some way, it's just how I am today. And yeah. doesn't that take us straight back to that whole thing around, you know, just having options and knowing that those options can be exercised rather than feeling like you have to be stuck in this matrix of this is how things work. Mm. So it began with a trip to India. Yeah. <laughs> you were very lucky. You were very, very what an amazing I would say that was your karma your karma took you to that spot at that moment it was meant mm-hmm. to be um and then you became a yoga teacher and you've had this incredible journey and now you have your inshallah and you're building this incredible community and 
I can say for the listeners that don't know you, I know you're incredibly well respected and having had this conversation, I can really see why. You know, the depth, um, the depth of knowledge, but also the clear um, sense of you embodying the practice, you know, it, it really it, it exudes from you. So that you know your students, I know they're they're very lucky to have to have you walking alongside them on their path. Oh, thank you. So we're really excited for you going forward. Hormonal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> on your um, journey you know becoming a mom and developing your community uh, so can you share with us you know just just sort of in close perhaps um what are your self-care practices you know what do you do to look after yourself and keep yourself healthy happy and well um well so pre-pregnancy <laughs> obviously I had my um asana practice um <clears throat> and then I just started to get really really into the Wim Hof method as well um so my, one of my best friends um is Wim Hof instructor really I really didn't want to do an ice bath but thought I should because he was putting on the workshop here so <laughs> I needed to do it did that just change like change I know it sounds really like typical but it changed my life like like cold is something I've always been really really scared of but the benefits I've got from it has just been amazing literally step out of a cold shower and feel like a superhero and my immune system is so much stronger um uh the breath practice as well um is really really incredible calming um so yeah so I would do my asana practice my Wim Hof practice um chanting of a very very good chanting teacher um that studied in uh, tara mitra she studied she studied in india know, pretty, pretty much our whole life really um <clears throat> and i've done the chanting courses with her i've learned how to pronounce them properly understand why we're doing them with the japa and all that kind of stuff so i would do that as well um and then um, pregnancy, self-care, and with lockdown as well. <laughs> the, my days were just t- like <laughs> taken up with so much self-care stuff. Um, but what I mean, what I found when I like when I got pregnant was that I he was like he, you know, um, it was planned and everything, but I still felt like loads of anxiety when I first found out um which I think like at first I was I felt guilty for feeling that but I just think everything changes my whole body like just felt different I think I'm just so in tune with it um my hormones are just going absolutely mad I didn't feel like myself didn't feel very grounded at all and because I was pregnant I couldn't use these normal methods couldn't do my strong practice couldn't have get in the sea <laughs> or, or have a cold shower um I felt so nauseous, na- nauseous that chanting made me feel sick <laughs> so all my normal things are just like gone um so I again uh, got in contact with Lisa she's like my guardian angel (laughs) um and and we did she did lots of like sort of like womb yoga um 
pregnancy yoga, yoga nidra. Um, and then as I started to feel more well, I, I, I now start my practice with like a bit of womb yoga and then go into like a really modified Ashtanga practice. Um, that's kind of like the physical thing I've been doing. And then when I felt tired, um, I do either yoga, yoga nidra or I've been doing a hypnobirthing course which just been absolutely a subject on its own, but absolutely amazing. Just really, really resonated with me about it all being natural and not this like scary thing. Um, again, it's all to do with like language, um, how you like word things. Um, yeah, so I do that. I've been doing... Um, one of my um, good friends is like an Ayurvedic um, practitioner and for the grounding aspect she got me to do um, I can't remember what the word for it is now but it's like a sesame oil self-massage so if you want to be feel grounded you start with pouring sesame oil on your head <clears throat> and then you work down and you rub it in everywhere in your ears in your nostrils um, belly button in all your private bits <laughs> all the way down to your toes and that like it's amazing how grounding it is and I found out the other day you can do it the other way if you need you can do it in the, like the morning and you can do your feet up for it to be like lifting energy um so yeah and like in the evenings I've been having like a magnesium uh flake bath with lavender coming out and then doing the sesame oil massage Joe, I, I just think this is incredible. I'm just like, you're you're the queen of self-care. You're an example of all. Thank you. When, when do you find any time to do any work? <laughs> you are, Joe, no, that's wrong. You are your work. That's I it. Mean, I don't really do, I mean, especially at the moment, I like, this where I'm so tired and everything. I just make sure that those things are my priority. Because um, I know oh, that's, that I so, don't... that's so refreshing to hear that that yeah. you are your priority. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it, I, I I spend so much of my time with clients. Just they're not even on their priorities list, and then you mm -hmm. give them one little thing to do for their just for their self care, and the guilt. Just you know, don't, I'm going to take that hour off. I'm going to say no. I'm going to give myself a massage or go for my whatever it happens to be. And the, you know the the lack of um self-love that is present mm. for most people it's just really refreshing to hear somebody who really spends quality time um getting in tune with themselves and then making sure they do what they need to do for their for their own well-being and as a teacher that is the most important thing we can do for our students is the example we set about how we live our own life mm. telling them how to live theirs because let's be frank we can't do that for anybody because we're not in their head we don't know what they need not really yeah true I think I think it's easy easier now as well because I think oh it's not just for me it's for the baby as mm. well so I think that's a little bit easier now because I think well if I feel good then baby feels good um, and especially at the moment where you know what's happening with the world everything is you know I mean especially now again just like second lockdown and um, for us personally, like we've, we've just opened the new Shala. So we've had like so much going on, so much to think about. I think if I didn't do these things, 
I would just kind of lose myself a bit. Um, yeah, so it's incredibly important. Yeah, it's so is, Jo. Do you know what? It's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat with you today. One, because we are good friends, although we could not see each other that much. Yeah. We always we always check in with each other, don't we? And, yeah. and make sure everyone's, if we're both all right. And I was just thinking, just as Joe was talking, we're very lucky in this little corner of Essex. There's some really amazing people offering yeah. some really amazing things. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we've both did our training together and created communities that are really supporting other people. It's amazing. And it's just been, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you today, Joe. And I really hope the arrival of your new baby is just going to be, it's just going to be another part of you that just grows. And yeah, it's just a wonderful thing to watch. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys. And I mean, yeah, watching you and your, you know, watching Anahata open has just been really like beautiful process to watch. And even though like the Ashtanga practice and what you guys do is technically quite a lot different. I think there's so many similarities in what we're do like what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's really come across in what we've talked about today. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just I just think it's it's so healing for people to have communities that they can go to like this. Yeah. Um and um yeah yeah i just think yeah like you said i think it's just amazing like there's so many cool people around you know um like you know josh at the yoga factory as well i think he's doing some amazing things yeah um, yeah yeah i just like yeah we're so so lucky you're, you're yeah. so right there's a there's a there's a high vibration happening in essex there is. isn't there we're very yeah. lucky <laughs> yeah there is and yeah it just feels like a really close community that yeah, it just welcomes everyone. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we've got, in the next couple of weeks coming up, um, Dawn and I have just confirmed some extra days where we're going to be um, interviewing people through the podcast. Um, we've got a really amazing lady that's actually going to be chatting to us from Bali. She's called Chef Cynthia. And Dawn's really excited about talking to her and about how food can be relating so much to our emotional and mental well-being and really kind of feeding yourself to love yourself. So we're going to be chatting to Chef Cynthia in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm really excited. We've got my teacher, um, who's a lady called Lisa Kaylee Isley. Um, who was very influential in my yoga therapy teaching and is still my teacher now. And we'll be chatting to her in a few weeks. And we've also got the most amazing Dr. Uma Dinsmore-Tully, who again is one of my teachers. Um, and Joe, you would have done a lot of stuff with her via Lisa Horwell. <laughs> yeah. And Uma's going to come on and talk to us all about yoga nidra and she's going to talk to us about yoni shakti and the movement that she's doing to support women in yoga so oh, um, 
really exciting stuff coming up so yeah keep tuned and i wish you all a very safe lockdown (laughs) although if you're listening to this now you're probably halfway through lockdown anyway (laughs) thanks for your time joe and thanks for your time bye bye